Amen. Four things I want to share with you this morning about fear, and I'm watching that clock. This is going to be fun. Here we go. Uh, All right, four things I want to share with you about fear. Uh, Number one, I want you to know that fear is a relentless liar that taunts us and points to its past victories. Okay? That's That's a mouthful. I'll say it again. I want you to know that fear is a relentless liar that taunts us and points to its past victories, right? It points to its past victories. So I want to pick up where we left off last week in the story of David and Goliath, because I want you to see that this is just a trait of any giant bully, all right? This is, this is what they do. And so 1 Samuel 17, uh, verse 10 through 11 says, Then the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so we can fight each other. It says, When Saul and all of Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost their courage and they were terrified. So what, what is this nine foot, nine inch tall uh, giant who's wearing over a hundred pounds of armor, who, whose tip of his spear is over 15 pounds of armor? Like, what is he doing? What, he, what is he doing? He's taunting them. He, he's literally, these are the, the most trained fighting men of Israel who have all come out, they're all camped out, and he's literally saying, there's not a man amongst you, you bunch of sissies. And he, he's doing, he's taunting them. And what I want you to know is, is that Goliath is relentless in this, just like every giant in your life is relentless, especially the giant of fear. Check it out in verse 16. It says, every morning and every evening for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand. Every morning and every night, he got fully dressed in his armor. He had his shield bearer walk before him, announcing, which we'll talk about in a second. And he'd come out morning and night telling the Israelites, you're not men. Your God can't defeat me. You're no one. You're nothing. You're nobody. And they quivered in fear. They camped out. They, they, they were immobilized in fear. They, they couldn't do anything, right? The Bible says. And, and, and here's what I want you to know, what, what happened, and maybe it's a little thing you, you didn't catch, what, what happened uh, is, is what Goliath was announcing, what he was having announced via his shield bearer, uh, every time he went out, morning and night for 40 days, not only was he taunting them, but he was announcing his perfect battle record, right? So check this out in, in verse uh, 4. It says, then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He's nine foot, nine inches tall. And he came out, he had a shield bearer before him. Uh, and so what was the shield bearer doing? Well, he didn't just bear the shield. He was also kind of, kind of somebody that would announce, and now from the Philistine camp, we've got the champion, undefeated Saul, who's never lost in battle, right? Over and over and over, just announcing that this guy is undefeated. And listen, that's what fear does to us. Man, it relentlessly taunts us and it reminds us of its record, which is a lot better than ours. Oh yeah? You want to change? Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, good luck started reading your Bible last week. Ha <laughs> ha, how'd that work out last time? Yeah, I won, didn't I? You'll never change. You'll never amount to anything. You're just a sinner. God doesn't love you. God can't use you. You better get used to where you are because that's who you are and you know it. So stop trying to fake it in front of everyone else and you hear the bully in your head. How many people heard a voice like that recently? Right? And we all have. We all have. 
Because that's what fear does. The bully of fear points to its past record and it tells us that we're going to lose again, that there's no way that we can win, that it's just too great and too giant, that there's no way that we can change. And listen, here's what it's doing. Here's, here's what fear's doing. Just like Goliath, here's what fear's doing. It's lying to you. When it grips you, when it makes you want to curl up and give up, it is lying to you. Oh, sure, some of the things it points out uh, have some truth. Uh, Goliath, hey, he's the champion. Yeah, he was a champion of Gath. But when he called out to the Israelites, there's no men among you. There were all kinds of trained men. They just didn't feel that way when they stood there and stared at his great height, right? It's the same thing that the devil did in the garden of Gethsemane. You guys remember that? God told Adam and Eve, you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden or else you will die. And the serpent said, surely you won't die. Now, he, he honored the fact that God had told them if they ate from it, they would die. Like, he, he, he knew the truth, but then he took it and he twisted it. What I'm telling you is, is fear in your life is taking some truths, and maybe there's some truths to your past failures. Maybe there's some truths to, to even, uh, you know, if, if we got to other fears, like maybe I'm afraid of, you know, you fill in the blank, driving in traffic or high, you know, whatever it is, I'm afraid that somebody's going to leave me. I'm, I'm afraid, like whatever that fear is, there may be some basis of truth, but here's what the enemy does. That giant of fear, it takes that truth and it twists it and it perverts it and it uses it to make you captive, to make you captive, right? But what I want to remind you of is that that giant's already been defeated. And that that giant has a father, and his name is the devil, all right? Uh, John 8, 44, Jesus is speaking. He says, you are of your father, right? He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and he doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. So that voice that you're hearing that tells you that you're a failure because you failed, that tells you that you'll never change, that you'll never amount to anything, that you'll never be somebody that God can use, that fear that's instilled in you is a liar, is a bully, and, and it's trying to taunt you and, and mock you to a point that you just give up and you just go, okay, this is who I am, right? So that's the first thing we need to get. Fear is a relentless liar that taunts us and points us to its past victories. The second thing we need to know, though, is that fear is a crafty chameleon and likes to camouflage itself. Fear is a crafty chameleon and likes to camouflage itself. Some of you uh, hear me talking about the, the giant of fear and you go, nope, I'm good. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not afraid of anything. Well, guess what? Fear shows up and manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Fear is a master of disguise. Has a lot of different aliases, if you will. Will let's, let's call it out by some of its other names. Anxiety. Anxiety, that's fear. The Bible tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything present your quest to God. Right? With thanksgiving. Um, but anxiety, that's, that's something we, we struggle with. Uh, here's another one. Uh, sometimes fear is called worry. Right? I'm, just, I'm just worried. I'm worried about how it's going to turn out. I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. Jesus shows up. He's like, I tell you, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. I'm worried about retirement. I'm worried about my kids' college. I'm worried about who they're going to marry. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. Right? 
Uh, here's another one. Maybe you hadn't thought about fear like this. Stress. Yep, same giant. Stress. I'm just so stressed out. Uh, another name for that tension. Oh, I just have a tension headache, right? They even sell medication now for tension headaches. So tense. By the way, we're the most over-medicated people uh, in the world uh, here in America uh, because of fear. Just in case you're wondering, we take more medication because of these aliases of fear I'm mentioning than other people do in their entire lives in other parts of the world. Okay? Uh, stress. I already mentioned that. Tension, panic. All, all relatives, all aliases of fear. Fear is a crafty chameleon and it likes to camouflage itself. So if that's the case, how do we find it? And, 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 and if we find it, what, what, do, we, what do we do? How, how do we make that giant fall? And, and that's kind of where I want to transition now, these last two points. So uh, the third thing I want you to understand is that we have to realize that fear is deep-rooted. Fear is, is deep-rooted. Uh, you know the best way to take down a tree? I learned this. Had a, had a friend uh, who had a friend who shared it with him. He shared it with me. Uh, it's not with a chainsaw. Um, you, you can do that. You can take it down with a chainsaw, and then you have to get a stump grinder and do that, or else you have to dig underneath it and try to burn it out, and that's all the pain in the rear. The best way to do it is to get a backhoe, and what you do is you dig underneath it, and, uh, and, and, and what you have to do eventually is you've got to break the tap roots of the tree. Uh, when we built our house, uh, we had a, a beautiful oak tree, but our, it was going to sit too close to the house. And they're like, you've you got you to cut it down. And at the time, I mean, it was a huge tree. Uh, and so we, we cut it down, but we left about three or four feet. So, you know, eventually we could dig it out. The guy that did my concrete swore that he was going to grind it for free. Uh, didn't happen, by the way. Uh, so two years later, uh, two years later, we want to put up a fence, and I, I've got I've to get rid of the stump. And either I've got to grind it down, or what's the best thing to do? Well, you've got to just dig it out. So my neighbor has a massive tractor, y'all. Uh, the tires of the tractor are taller than me, and uh, I didn't know it was that big. He said, hey, yeah, I've got a little backhoe on my little tractor. And he brings it over, and I was like, dear goodness. Uh, I thought I was at a monster truck rally. And so uh, he positions that, and he begins to dig and dig and dig and dig. And, and this thing ain't budging. Now, he's dug a good uh, six feet down all around, the, and this is not budging. He goes, well, I just got to get the tap roots. And so he starts digging over to the side, and, and this, this whole machine, now the whole thing is rocking, right? Bigfoot is now rocking. Uh, now, listen, my water line is about a foot and a half from where, I'm like, I'm standing on it while this thing's right next to me. I'm like, take me out before you take out the water line, okay? And so he's rocking, and then finally, pop! I was like, whoo! He starts pushing on it, still nothing. He goes, ah, oh, there's, there's, there's another one in there, I promise. So digs around, he finds another one. Pop! There goes another one. Now he pushes on it, and it's moving a little bit. He goes, there's one more taproot here, I promise. He digs over to the side where he hadn't dug yet, digs down deep, starts yanking on it, yanking on it. We hear the final crack, and then that sucker pushes over. We put a chain on it and yank it out. Three taproots and that one oak that just secured it, it was not moving. It was dead, it just wasn't moving. So here's what I'm going to say to you this morning, it's crazy. I believe wholeheartedly there's three taproots to the fear that you're facing in your life. And you want to know how that giant needs to fall? You got to dig out from underneath it, okay? And so here they are, ready? Three taproots of fear. Number one, conditioning. Number two, concealment. And number three, control, all right? So fear is deep-rooted. Here's the three taproots of fear. Conditioning, concealment, and control. Conditioning, uh, that's how you're raised. 
All right? That's how you're raised. That's how you learn. Uh, maybe you have somebody in your life. Uh, it could be dad. It could be grandma. And, and you know they are the person that taught you that bad things always happen in threes, right? So you spend your whole life, something bad happens, and you're looking over your shoulder for where's that second thing? Where's that third thing, right? Uh, I mean, I, that's how life works. That's how you're raised. Uh, for, for me, uh, it, it wasn't, my mom has a little bit of this, but she got it from her mama. It was, it was my Gammy, is what we called her. And so Gammy, bless her heart, she, like I love her to death. My grandmother taught me how to dance. She tried to teach me how to sing. She taught me how to, how to cook. Uh, like, like everything, you, she taught me how to sleep on a couch. Uh, it taught me how to even root for the Dallas Cowboys, which I still do sometimes, but I'm a Texans fan. But anyway, I mean, she, I mean, we, she loved Danny White, I'm just telling you. So, like, we, like, my, my, my gammy was awesome, uh, but she was always afraid of when the other shoe was going to drop. And when you drove with her, oh, dear gosh. Um, I don't know what you call the handles up in the car on the side. We call them oh crap handles if that offends you. I'm sorry. That's what we call them, the oh crap handles. Ah! Uh, so she was so terrified. She, that wasn't enough. She had to, if you drove with her, and I did, she would, ah! and, and she would actually put her, she had to have her hand fully up on the headliner. Ah! And then she had to lift her foot. Ah! Oh my, oh my God. And then she would curse uh, without moving her mouth, freaking, freaking. She wouldn't. She, sometimes she said the real things, and then she'd give us money for them. But a lot of times, freaking, freaking, and and just constant. And I mean, somebody could change lanes in front of you, a hundred feet in front. Oh my! Like it was just, it was just like, oh god. So driving with her and y'all, I was raised in Houston, so there's always traffic. It was just an experience. Um, and so, like, I can drive through a lot of stuff because that's how I learned how to drive. Conditioning, right? And so guess what? Sometimes in life I find myself thinking the other shoe's about to drop. It's right around the corner. One bad thing happened, two more are, right? Hey, I knock, you better knock on wood. You better throw some salt over your shoulder. Like that, that conditioning is hard to break out of. And that's one of the reasons that you struggle with fear because of some of your upbringing, okay? So that's one of the roots. A second root is, is concealment. It's concealment. So what do you mean? Well, we sin. We're all sinners. The only problem is we don't like other people to see that. Right? And so we sin. We mess up. And what do we do? We try not to get caught. We try to hide it. We, we either lie about it or, or we, you know, just ignore it. We, we let people think that we're great. Uh, we don't live in the Christian community we're called to, which the Bible, remember, says uh, have a close-knit group of people that you can confess your sin to. We don't do that. We don't find that kind of community. And so, uh, so we live our whole lives trying to not let other people see that in us. And man, it's exhausting. And you know what we're always afraid of? That we're going to be found out. That somebody's going to see us for the sinner that we really are and that we're going to lose it all. That'll keep you up at night. It'll keep you up at night. Concealment will absolutely do that. And then the last one, right? It's control. Whew. You know what's causing a lot of the fear in your life? Is you've bought into the lie that you have control over anything. You're trying to figure out, how am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to figure this out? How am I, how am I, how am I? Can I just tell you right now, control is the biggest fallacy you've ever believed. It's the biggest lie you'll ever believe is that there's any sense of control. If, if the last few years haven't taught you anything, like there, there's no way to control what happens in our world. Only God can be in control. And we have to get to this point. 
that we understand. That's when Jesus says, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. You don't even know what tomorrow holds. Guys, we have no idea. And yet we incessantly worry about what's going to happen. We stay up at night because we think that we've got to be in control. And man, it will wear you out. It'll wear you down. It'll wear you thin. And ultimately, you will live a life captivated by the giant of fear because you have this desire to control everything and everyone, including, by the way, we, we masquerade this as Christians in love. I just love them. I want what's best for them. I know what's best for them. They don't know if they would just listen to me. And, and we actually stay up at night worried about other people's lives either. We can't even control our own. So here's what I'm going to say to you. If that's you, if any of that is you, I think the giant needs to fall. Here's the good news. The giant's already been defeated, but he's got to fall. So how, how, do, how do we do that? And that's the last one, ready? The only way to overcome fear is by cultivating our faith in and through the Word of God. The only way to overcome fear is by cultivating our faith in and through the Word of God. You want to overcome the giant of fear in your life who's already been defeated? You increase your faith. And that's a biblical concept, by the way. You remember the disciples actually came to Jesus and asked for this. Uh, Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith, God. Well, how, how, do, how do we do that, though? Here's, I'll, I'll answer your question with a question. Ready? Where does faith come from? Where does faith come from? Romans ten seventeen, Paul says, faith comes from what's heard. And what's heard comes through the message about Christ or through the Word of God. I told you guys last week, this series that we're kind of working through is based on a book by Louis Giglio called Goliath Must Fall. And he has a quote in that book. He says, when we see and hear God in and through His Word, the, the Word allows us to hear that Jesus is enough and it allows us to see that God is bigger. We've been talking to you about studying the Bible. Guys, we have free journals for you. I've got Bible reading plans. Start it to, today. We're reading five chapters a week. If, if you just got here, you're only five chapters behind. We started in 1 Samuel. And man, the first three chapters of 1 Samuel will blow you up faith-wise. They're awesome. They're awesome. We need to hear that Jesus is enough, and we need to see that God is bigger. So... Here's four ways to cultivate that faith. I'm going to let you go. These are, we call these application. Here's four ways this week. If you struggle with any of those aliases known as fear, I get to the three tap roots and you're like, oh, that stinking control thing, man. I'll tell you what. I, I, I went into this week going, oh, I'm not really afraid of much. I don't care if I die. I'm fine. Like, you know, I, I, I got Jesus. Like, I'm not afraid of much in life. And I got through like those tap roots. I'm like, control. Oh, my. Stress, that alias. I was like, oh, I'm such an idiot, right? Man, I, I, I pray this, this speaks to you. So here's, here's four things you can do, and we'll let you go. Uh, number one, remember that God is able. Got to grow my faith. Lord, increase my faith. I want this giant of fear to fall. God, increase my faith. Step one, remember God's able, right? Listen. Some of us have been listening to the voice of the enemy for so long that we actually believe that he's right and that he is a champion that can't be defeated. Friends, he's already been defeated. He's already been defeated. 
We are not walking in victory because we're choosing to camp out in fear of this bully that's saying that we're not good enough, that we'll never change. And, And yet here's the truth of God's word. God never starts a work that he doesn't finish. And if he started a work in you, surely he will bring it about to completion, the word says. God is able to do what you long for him to do. He is able to change you. He's able to make you holy and righteous. He's able to use you as a kingdom builder. He's able to use you to change all of eternity. He's able. Paul tries to explain that ability like this, Ephesians 3.20. He says, to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could think or ask. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that's three times basically using the same word, whatever you could think or dream about, he's able. So stop camping out in the fear of this bully that tells you you will never change or that it will never turn for you, right? God is able. God is able. Second thing we need to do is we need to continually practice the Lord's presence. We need to continually practice the Lord's presence. Listen to what David, uh, who's called the man after God's own heart, uh, did on a regular basis. Psalm 16, Psalm 16, verse 8. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. I have set the Lord. He's doing this, okay? David's doing this. This is a practice of David. Therefore, it can be a practice of you. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. I go this way and the Lord's before me. I go that way and the Lord's before me. I look up and the Lord is before me. I look down and the Lord is before me. The Lord, I have set the Lord before me. Wherever I go, the Lord is before me, right? And I want you to look at the result of setting the Lord before you. Uh, Verse 9, he says, Therefore my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, and this is the part that you've been longing for, ready? And my body also rests securely. No fear has a grip on me. I rest securely. How have I done it? I've set the Lord always before me. He is able. He is bigger. He's got me. He's with me. Oh, I can sleep. Isn't that good? That's good, right? So how do we practice that? I think there's a lot of things you can do. Uh, I was in a small group up in Borger before we moved here, and I can't remember which member of the small group, but but somebody, one of their kids, uh, they're like, man, my kid's got this imaginary friend, and it's kind of starting to freak me out. Uh, they're like talking to this person all the time and like I think it's kind of getting unhealthy and, and, then, and then they came back like a week or two later and, and said, you know, um, she got in the truck and uh, got in the truck and I'm like, okay, get buckled. And they're like, hold on, daddy, I gotta, I gotta buckle in. Uh, you know, I, you know so they're buckling in a seat not next to them and dad's like, oh my gosh, something is wrong with my child. They're, they're like physically seeing somebody that's not there and, and finally he's like, I told you to get buckled. What are you doing? And she said, Daddy, I'm just buckling in Jesus. I don't want him to be hurt either. From the mouth of babes. Man, I'm just buckling in Jesus. Here's what I'm going to say to you adults. Some of you need to buckle in Jesus this week. Because fear is kicking your butt. And stress and anxiety and all of its names. And what you need to do is you need to set the Lord before you. And if that means you've got to buckle him in when you get in the car, then buckle him in. Right? You do whatever it takes 
Okay? You do whatever it takes. Number three, we've got to start naming names. We've got to start naming names this week. Ready? So much of fear's grip has to do with darkness, de- deceit, right? I mean, that's what it has to do with. Disguise, all these different aliases. Uh, it, it manifests itself in all these other names, right? And so today we've talked about that. We've talked about the roots of that. And, and so listen, let's not play with Jesus when it comes to this giant of fear. Let's actually name what it is, even if it sounds silly to you. God, here's what's causing me anxiety. This is the name of it, right? I read an article this week, and it sounds so silly. This woman couldn't get out of bed. Man, she was overcome with anxiety, and and she's on medication, all this stuff. She just overcome. She's like, I can't do it. The day, there's so much weight. And so she finally talked to her counselor about it. He said, what? Name it. Tell me what it is. What is the thing? Like, name one thing that's keeping you in bed. Like, like it's overwhelming to you. And she goes, okay, fine. The dishes. She's just getting out of bed and having to wash the dishes before I put them in the dishwasher. And I don't want to do it, and it's too much. And it's the thing. And he said, just run the stupid thing twice. She said, what? Because you don't have to rinse them. You don't have to scrub them. Just put them in the dish. Who says you, I, who, who says you can't run it twice or three times? We don't have to play by some set of rules. You've got to hand wash them first. Listen, that sounds so silly. That got her out of bed. The fact that that, that, that that was the thing. As silly as it was, the enemy had taken it and twisted it and made it into a mountain that it wasn't, and she just needed a voice to go run it twice. Just run it twice. Oh my gosh. Here's what I'm telling you. If we'll get specific like that, and we'll take the thing that is really causing us things, and we'll just name it before Jesus, you will be shocked what the Holy Spirit will whisper unto you. Just run it twice, man. Just buckle him in. Just, you'll, you'll be shocked how God uses his word and his people in your life to get you past that, okay? Start naming names. And lastly, replace your worry with worship. Replace your worry with worship. The best way to ease your mind of worry is to fill your mouth with praise. The best way to ease your mind of worry is to fill your mouth with praise. Worry and worship cannot exist in the same space. All right? Guys, uh, we did this series because I believe wholeheartedly these are things we struggle with. Um, I think there's a, a strong biblical principle here that our enemy uses things that are real and makes them almost unreal in our life so that we'll be paralyzed. Jesus has already won. It's already been defeated. He wants us to walk in victory. We've got to put these things into practice. God's Word is key to all of it. Interacting with God's Word. I want to call you into that. Let's take these lies of the enemy. Let's name them. Let's name how they're causing us to be defeated, isolated, run down, anxious. Let's name them but then let's replace them with the truth of God's word and start walking in victory, amen? All right, I'm gonna pray for you. We've got a couple announcements and we've gotta get you to discipleship classes. Father, thanks for loving us. We love you. Your word is true, it is good, it is right. Holy Spirit, do a work in us this week. Help us overcome this giant and all the tentacles he has in our lives, all those aliases he's been attacking us under. Help us bring those to you this week, God. And help us uh, meditate 
and study your word in such a way that it has an impact to bring about the change we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.